Hello, good human, and welcome or welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe. I am your host, and I had no idea how many people wanted to hear about travel, wanted to hear about the travels I've done, wanted to hear about a little sunshine toolkit for your own travels, but I did post in the Facebook group, which you can probably say this off by heart right now, is the Sunshine Project podcast community, and a lot of people asked for it, and a lot of people have been in my DMs asking for it as well. So look, today... And on Wednesday, we are talking about travel. I feel like I'm a little bit adverse. Like, I love hearing people's travel stories, but when I was growing up, we didn't travel. We very rarely, once every few years, would travel over the border to New South Wales to visit my dad's side of the family. Very occasionally, we would stay in a hotel. Some of those were, frankly, uninhabitable, but that was life and that's fine. But whenever we had extended family or friends travel somewhere that was a bit more exciting, we would have them over and we would watch a slideshow on our TV. Like you could plug the little SD card from your camera into the TV. And I think it's because I was sort of between the ages of about 10 and 14 when we were doing this a lot. But by the time I was an adult, I was like, if I see one more picture of someone's breakfast on their cruise to Vanuatu, I don't know how many more things I can say about it. So yeah, I think I've been a bit adverse to hearing about travel as an adult. Again, I love like when my friends and things tell me stories, I'm like, tell me more. I want to go, you know, what were the best bits? But in general, I was just surprised that people sort of wanted to seek that out. But here we are. And I'm so glad you did. So I'm just going to talk you through the structure of this week because I do feel like we are hitting a nice little rhythm and this will probably change again in the coming weeks or months, but I don't know, I just... I'd just like to talk through it with you because I kind of feel like we're doing this together. So in just a sec, we're going to jump into our mindful moment and there we're going to be talking about how you are not irresponsible for wanting to travel. You are not unreasonable for wanting to see the world. And also today, we're going to talk about how to make travel happen for you if it feels a million miles away right now. And we're going to go through my travels, because I feel like our first episode of the week has sort of developed into more of a chatty one, where we're just having a cuppa, having a chat, delving into life. And so that's what that is going to be. And then on Wednesday's episode, I have a huge sunshine toolkit for you, the biggest sunshine toolkit ever. It is all of my travel tips. And honestly, I'm planning a trip at the moment. And I've realized I've actually developed some really good, really helpful trips that if I follow them, it makes the whole process so much more enjoyable, so much less stressful, so much more fun. I get the most out of it. So I'm really excited for you to get the most out of it too. Also, I loved the feedback on our good news segment at the end of the Wednesday episode. So I've got some more good news for you, which you will hear in this little series as well. Okay, my love, you know how it is. We are settling into this week's first episode with a mindful moment. So in these moments, we really join together. We join one another. You meet me in this episode. We let go of the rest of the day and we move forward together. So first, 
let's look at what's going on physically. I would like you to take in one big breath and hold it and let it out. And I want you to do a few more of those really big breaths while I'm talking. You're going to reset your breathing. We're going to calm our nervous system. We're going to fill our lungs with some beautiful fresh air. So you just keep doing the breathing thing while you're doing it. Maybe just roll your shoulders, straighten your spine, itch your nose if you need to. I suddenly needed to because I thought about it. But we're just going to we're just going to physically be here and be present and while you do that while you take care of you in today's mindful moment I want to talk about the truth that sometimes in life we make choices that are not the most responsible we make choices that are not the most reasonable I saw a quote online just yesterday and it said you know travel is never going to be the most reasonable decision. Falling in love is never going to be the most reasonable decision. Starting a career that you are deeply and truly passionate about is never going to be the most reasonable decision. And the reason for that is because the most reasonable decision, the most straight and narrow decision, the most commercially viable decision, the most structured decision looks different to living a life that is full of things that you love it just does it looks like being focused on making you know money and paying our bills and contributing in a way that is very structured and very normal and very safe and so look the truth is that the things that you are deeply passionate about or would like to be deeply passionate about or deserve for you to be deeply passionate about are not going to be the reasonable decision. They're not going to be the most responsible decision. Putting money aside for travel is not the same as putting money aside into a high interest checking account that you cannot access for the next 22 years. But the truth is that being worldly is important. That following our passions is important that following our hearts is important because that is the path to a life that you are obsessed with not only that let's shrink it down that is the path to living rather than just existing there's another quote that i saw a long time ago that said the world is a book and if you don't travel you read only one page and I don't know that that is entirely true I mean I guess it's true that you're not reading the whole book of the world but it doesn't mean that you're not living a full life in a way that looks and feels good to you but I can almost guarantee that by making the decision to see more of the world you will become more worldly you will read more pages you will experience more there are so many positives to making the choices that set your heart alight and they're not random they are your calling because the truth is my love that you deserve a life that is rich with experience and maybe you would also like a life that is rich with stability rich with money rich with love and with family and those things can also be true all of it can be true but experiences are the spices and the seasonings of life and you deserve to have the most delicious unforgettable glorious spicy 
well-seasoned life that you possibly can. So today we are leaving those ideas about what is reasonable and what is responsible next to us. We're not popping them in the bin, we're just gently untangling them and taking them out and laying them down next to us. And then you and I are going to have a chat. Okay, I hope you are feeling very refreshed. I hope your lungs are feeling full of beautiful fresh air. I hope your spine is feeling strengthened and whatever you're doing, whether you're walking or driving or sitting or working or whatever. Hello, I am so glad that you're here. So the first thing I wanted to talk with you about today is I don't want to say it's the elephant in the room because I refer to elephants being in rooms so much in this podcast that it's kind of starting to seem like there's a whole menagerie in here. And that's not my intention. But the truth is, and let's just get out of the way, that travel is expensive. Travel is expensive and so is life because everything's expensive right now. There are there have been measures put into place to try and reduce inflation and lots of things that I personally find quite boring. Um, but the truth is life is expensive and travel is expensive and it might feel deeply, deeply out of your reach to be going anywhere right now. And I absolutely understand that. Like we are all struggling at the moment. But you will note that I am coming, of course, from a place of privilege because I did say before that I'm planning a trip right now, which I am. And I just want to talk you through the possibly irresponsible and very conscious decision that I have made to plan a trip while things are quite tight. Firstly, I mean, just in case you're nosy and you'd like a little bit of behind the scenes information about the way that my life works, I am owed quite a bit of money. I recently left a working arrangement and I am owed like well over $10,000 as of no longer being in that working arrangement. So things have been tight for quite a while for me. It's been quite stressful. However, it does mean that when I get that money, which I have been assured I'm going to get in the coming week, I guess I'll keep you updated if you are nosy, I will have a bit of a lump sum to pay for a trip with. And I guess for me personally, that's a recommendation that I have is that I am not very good at saving, which we've discussed before. Like I'm not very good at storing money away for a rainy day. So if I ever have an idea about wanting to travel, which I often do, then I like to try and line it up with some sort of lump sum payment. So that might be like a big payment coming in from a client or money that I'm owed, like is happening right now. For you, it might be a tax payout. It might be a gift. If you are getting married and you're being gifted money, I remember undoing all of our cards and just being like, oh my God, this is so much money. We didn't end up being able to travel because of COVID with that money. We spent it on the house. But anyway, all I'm saying is that travel is expensive and so is life. But those two things aren't, don't just cancel each other out. I think that it's also important to note that, you know, say if I decide I have a budget of $4,000 for the trip that I would like to do in a couple of months' time, I'd like to go to Japan. Thank you to everyone who shared ideas and things about where I should go in Japan on my Instagram story yesterday. I will share those once I complete my itinerary. I'm very excited. I'm very much in the thick of it right now. 
But say, if I decide that I have a $4,000 budget for that, the truth is I can get this payment from the people that owe me money and then I can take out $4,000 and I can spend it on this trip. Or I can spend that $4,000 on other things. And the truth is that other things are going to come up. I had the bill for my website come out on my credit card yesterday. It was $650 because I pay it yearly and I forgot that was happening. And it kind of just reminded me like, it doesn't really matter what I spend my money on. Sometimes I'm going to have it and sometimes I'm not going to have it. And I saw something on Reddit years ago that said, you never own your money. Like the money you have is not yours. It's just your turn to have it, or it's just your turn to spend it, or it's just your turn to play with it. And again, I don't want to sound financially irresponsible. This is not financial advice. It was just an important perspective for me because it's like I could pay an extra thousand dollars off of our mortgage, which might help a little bit because that's really expensive right now. Or what's already happened might happen, interest rates might go up and I might feel like I've taken 10 steps backwards. So the reason that I prioritize spending money and time on travel, because it does need to be a conscious priority, it's got to be something that we decide that we want to do and that we pursue and that we work towards, because otherwise we will never ever do it, we'll never leave our nests. The reason that I'm able to prioritize that mentally is that hope is one of the most important things we have. In the days and weeks and months that things are really difficult, having something to look forward to is so incredibly important. Uh, uh, Like, if you think about some really difficult times you've had, and then you think about something that you were able to look forward to during those times, I bet that there's correlation and causation of all of that there. And not only is hope important in terms of like planning something out and then looking forward to it, I also believe that memories are sustenance. So I believe that memories of traveling also sustain us after we come back. So I guess travel for me is kind of like very cheap, not very cheap, but very cheap relatively because therapy is very expensive. It is very expensive and very complicated and very time-consuming. I go to therapy as well, but less than I used to because it's expensive. Anyway, so I guess the point is that I don't just look at the investment of travel to be while I'm traveling. I look at the investment of travel to be in the lead up because hope is important afterwards because memories mean sustenance. And then while you're traveling as well, There is so much more there than just fun. I don't know if you've noticed that if people that you knew when you were growing up are well-traveled, if they've traveled the world, even if they've just been on a couple of like Kentucky or or top deck trips, they are very likely more well-rounded people when they return. And that's because travel is more than just fun. Travel, especially in places that are different to our own, especially overseas, builds understanding of different cultures and different lives. It builds empathy. It builds our problem-solving abilities, which, like, I I can say for sure because I muddled up many a time on our recent trip to Italy. Once I 
just got a bit confused about how an eSIM worked and how much data I would be getting a day. And we ended up in the middle of Milan, meant to catch a train, could not for the life of me access the tickets that we had purchased for the train, didn't understand what train we were meant to be on, couldn't work out how to rebuy the tickets, couldn't access my money. But I worked it out and we worked it out. I also happened to book our flight to Italy on the wrong day and realized on the way to the airport. Thankfully, I'd booked it for the following day. So we were a day early. It was very expensive and difficult to change, but I had to work it out. And there aren't so many experiences in our day-to-day lives where problem solving is that acute, where it feels that important, where it feels that stressful, but it also feels like that much of a triumph when you overcome it. And I think that is really good for our brains. So it builds understanding and problem-solving ability. It builds connection with the people that you travel with and with yourself. It builds your connection with humanity. It builds your connection with the earth. And it also provides us all with a good dose of perspective about the way that we live and the things that we do and what's important to us. And yeah, travel is expensive and so is life. But it's so important. Okay, I have way more travel tips. I mean, I don't know that that was a trip. That was more just like a hype gal moment. In Wednesday's episode, we are going through the Sunshine Toolkit. But for the rest of this episode, which I'm going to give myself about 10 minutes or so, I'm just going to talk you through my travels in this life as an adult. And I'll try and sprinkle as much advice about all of these places as I can in amongst this. And also, just a chat, because that's nice. Okay, what I'm going to do is break this down, not chronologically, because I have been to a few places more than once. Instead, I'm going to break it down into the different locations and just talk you through my experiences there. And if you're thinking about going, maybe it'll be helpful. If you've been, maybe you'll be nodding along. The first place I want to talk about is Thailand, because as I mentioned up the top, this was the first place that I went as an adult. And I went with Patrick and Honestly, much of the traveling that I've done has been a little bit spur of the moment because, again, I think you need to really make the decision that this is something that you're doing and then commit to it. So just one day I was like, I've never been overseas and I desperately want to go overseas and we're going to Thailand and I'm not really sure why I picked Thailand. Like it could have been as simple as seeing a brochure or an ad or something like that. But Patrick and I booked our trip. We booked it through a travel agent. Now, I know lovely travel agents. I'd like to say that right up the front. I would say I personally don't use travel agents anymore. I never use travel agents. And the reason for that is I have found that I can get a better deal on many things doing it myself. And if you like using travel agents, if you've got a lovely friend who's a travel agent, if you know a travel agent who can get you really good deals on things and really good flexibility and things like that, then brilliant. I've just found that the more I've traveled, the more I've understood things and I haven't felt like I've needed that assistance. But look, we booked Thailand through a travel agent, a lovely travel agent. That travel agent didn't tell us because I'm not sure that they had been. I don't know that they knew that we were going to Thailand in the height of off season. And we didn't know that was a big deal. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing in general. So off we went in, it might have been 
oh, I couldn't even tell you what month it was, but it was the height of off-season. It was very, very quiet and we went straight to Phuket. Now, the things you should know about off-season in Thailand is it is very wet and very rainy. We did not see the sky once in the week that we were there. Oh, sorry, we saw the sky. Obviously, we didn't see any clouds. We booked in at a very expensive, very nice resort that looked nothing like the photos, mostly because it was off-season, so everything was grey and muggy and pale. It's also very buggy during off-season in a very different way than it is in peak season. There were no tourists, so walking down the street was quite difficult because people were quite desperate to sell us things and get us into their shops and their restaurants and everything. So it started to feel, yeah, quite stressful. Like I felt a bit guilty not being able to support every person that we spoke to. Patrick did get scammed by a suit maker. He tried to get a suit made and a man came up to us. And again, because it was off season, not only were people quite desperate, lots of things were closed. So this man came up to us and he took us to his shop and he had like all this stuff there. In hindsight, it was kind of stuff you could bang up in about 10 minutes, like lots of suits along the walls and magazines and chairs and things like that and measured Patrick up. And then we went back a few days later and he had a half-made suit made to Patrick's measurements and Patrick paid him some more money. And we went back a day later and the suit was three quarters done and he did the final measurements. And then we went back on the final day and he had packed down his entire store and the man in the store next to him told us, oh, his daughter isn't well, so he's gone to look after her. And we were like, oh, no, oh, my God, that is, that's so crazy that that happened, that poor man. And then the woman the next door down kind of took pity on us and said, "Um, no, this this is what he does. This is his business. Like, this is you were never going to get a suit. And look, you know what? We were absolute patsies. Like, I think we would have just been the clearest marks. But honestly, also the hotel that we stayed at, it was beautiful. But we were speaking to another Australian couple when we were there. Like, we bumped into these people with a kid and we were like, oh, how gorgeous is the hotel? And they were like, yeah, did you get the deal? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, the only reason we stayed here is because we got a whole week for like a hundred dollars and I was like sorry no I paid thousands I paid thousands of dollars to stay here so you live and you learn but I would recommend you don't go to Thailand in the off season a few years later I was actually lucky enough to go to Thailand again because one of my dearest friends won a trip through her university at the time she won a trip to do like a top deck journey through Phuket and Koh Samui and Koh Tao and then we went to Bangkok and we went to Chiang Mai as well and just had the best time. We went during peak season. I loved the top deck experience. I actually cannot speak highly enough about going overseas and doing a top deck with a friend. I'm not sure about Kentucky because I've heard they're very, very, very party-y and like even Loretta and I are a bit more chill. So we went out a couple of times but not very often but people can go out people cannot go out you can hang out in a couple you can hang out in a group we saw so much we did so much we felt so well taken care of the islands were beautiful the weather was amazing just loved every second of it and obviously I probably wouldn't have gone back to Thailand had my only experience been the time that I went with Patrick but I'm so glad that I did 
And that's Thailand. The next place that I want to touch on is Indonesia. So I've been to Indo quite a few times now. There were years that I went one after the other after the other. If you've heard my grief episode, the grief part two, then you know that Patrick had an incident in Indonesia, which required an emergency flight home. And I haven't been back since. However, I will run you through what I think you need to know. So if you're going to Indonesia, the place that you probably think of is Bali, and I love Bali, I would avoid Kuta. It is basically like um, the Gold Coast, but very yelly and very affordable. That's it. I spent a lot of time, I lived for about a month in Changu years ago. That's really good if you're part of the expat community. So I had been on a trip with a bunch of other people who were content creators and coaches and all these interesting, fabulous self-employed things. And so I had a bit of a community there. So I found Changa really fun and interesting and connected. But I think if I went there on my own, I would feel quite lonely. And I also feel that there's been a bit of a shift in the digital nomad space since I went, because that was in 2019. I think lots of people that are digital nomads are really cool. I also think some of them, broadly speaking, I think it attracts some wankers. And I think from what I've heard, there's a lot of that in Changu. Now, so if that's not your scene, then I would avoid it. If it is your scene, again, not that you're a wanker, just if the digital nomad thing is your thing, then highly recommend I love Nusa Lembongan, which is an island off the coast of Bali. It's probably w- sort of what you imagine when you think about Bali. I recommend Nusa Lembongan very, very highly. I recommend riding around on a bike, very easy to get around, or a scooter if you understand how to ride a scooter. I also really highly recommend Ubud or Ubud, or I've heard people say that a lot of ways. Ubud is beautiful. I love the monkey forest. I know being around wild animals is not everyone's thing, but I think the monkeys are so cute and so fascinating and I love that that is their space. It's their home that we are entering gently into. They are absolutely the boss of that space. Like, please do not for a second think that humans are the superior beings in the monkey forest in Ubud, but it's one of my favourite travel experiences is going there and seeing that. And the other place in Indonesia that I really love is Lombok. Again, if you've listened to the episode, you know that Lombok is where Patrick got sick, but the island itself is so interesting. It's not as touristy. It's not as built up as Bali is now. It is quite different culturally, which I think a lot of people don't realize. It's actually it's actually Muslim and the vast majority of people who live on Lombok and who live on the Gillies, which I'll touch on in a second, follow Islam, whereas Bali is predominantly a Hindu island. So culturally, it is quite different. There are different expectations. There are different things to know. I do recommend doing your research before you go anywhere in the world because It's going to be a lot better experience for you and everyone else if you do. But I also love the Gillies. So people call them the Gilly Islands. Gilly does mean island in the local language, but there's three of them. They're just off of Lombok. You can catch a boat to them from Bali. There are really good, reputable fast boats. And I do recommend only choosing reputable boats, planes, anything that's getting you from A to B in a fast-paced manner that go from Bali to uh, Nusa Lembongan to the Gillies. And 
There's Gili T, Gili Trawangan, which is the largest island. Again, probably the most built up, a little bit of a party island. There's Gili Air, which is the medium sized island. So that one's probably my favorite. It's just very middle of the ground. It's it's relaxing and there are lots of bars and things to do. There's great snorkeling. It's interesting. It's not as built up as Gili T. But yeah, I really like that one. And then there's Gili Mino, which is much slower paced. It's much more authentic to how it's always been. That's where I stayed with Patrick. So I've stayed on all three. I stayed on Gili Tea with some friends, Gili Air with my mum and Gili Mino with Patrick. And yeah, it's very sweet, very basic. Like I don't think that the place that we stayed in had any electricity when we stayed there, but it was absolutely beautiful. And I highly recommend the Gillies. So my recommendations for Indonesia would be around Bali, Ubud and Nusa Lombongan and then over to Lombok, especially the Gillies. Next, I want to tell you about Italy because we did this last year, as you may or may not know, and we went to Milan and we went to Milan because we went with my grandparents and they actually, my grandma is a doctor. She still works as a doctor now and she had a conference to go to over there and we were kind of just along for the ride. Now, Milan isn't somewhere that I personally would have picked if I was going to Italy or to anywhere because I knew that it was a city. It's quite cosmopolitan. It's got quite a reputation for being a little bit flashy. Absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it. And it was probably the perfect introduction to Italy because it is that little bit more cosmopolitan. It is a little bit less touristy. So the things that I want to tell you straight up is I would not recommend getting a car while you're in Italy. If you're Australian or I think from the UK or from Ireland, they drive on what we consider to be the wrong side of the road. I was stressed even just being in cars in general. We used Ubers almost all of the time when we were in Milan, except for when we were in the city, in which case they have a brilliant, very easy to follow, very easy to understand public transport system. This is a little bit niche. I'm hoping it applies to all of Italy and not just Milan, but I will say that you can pay for transport tickets, for train tickets and tram tickets and things using your phone. We fluffed around for so long trying to figure out the ticket system. You can actually just swipe your phone on and off at the gates to get through to the stations. Holy dooly, I wish we knew that when we got there. But loved Milan, loved seeing the Duomo, which is a beautiful old cathedral. You kind of exit the metro station and you walk up and it's just right there. And it's, oh my God, a beautiful experience. Then we went to Cinque Terre. Now, Cinque Terre means five towns in Italian and it was quite close by to Milan. It was about a two or three hour train ride from memory. And I will tell you, so the five towns that you can visit, you can stay in, make up Cinque Terre, Monte Rosso, Vernazza, Cornelia, Marorola, and Rio Maggiore. And we stayed in Rio Maggiore, which I highly recommend. It was so peaceful and so quiet. There was so much good food. We kind of managed to miss all of the day trip tourists each day because there's a train that connects the towns and Rio Maggiore was the last one along. And that meant that by the time we got up, had breakfast, maybe went for a swim and then got on the train for the day, we missed everyone coming down. Monterosso is the largest of the five towns. So, you know, really beautiful, really lovely, 
very expensive to rent beach chairs, so we did not do that. Maybe if you were going for a whole day, you would want to spend 40 or 50 Australian dollars to sit on the beach, but that is not what we wanted to do. So we just stopped in and got a gelato and then kept moving. Vernaza is very picturesque and very lovely. We went there one morning for breakfast and then after we'd had breakfast, oh, and we saw two octopuses and it was octopi and it was Patrick's birthday and he loves sea creatures and also everything. And so he was very excited to see those. And we did go for a swim in the water there. He did get a very special birthday sting from a very large jellyfish, but he was okay. And it was lovely being out on the rocks and especially watching all the local people swim and play in the water and go out on their boats. And we didn't make it to Cornelia because you have to hike up to it. There are 382 stairs that you need to climb to make it there. And we, quite frankly, are not stairs people. And then the last town is Manorola. Now, in Manorola, there is a pesto making class, which is the best travel experience that we have ever had, either of us in our entire lives. I'll pop a link to it in the show notes. It was just amazing. The pesto was delicious. It was mindful. It was thoughtful. It was interesting. We sat in the sunshine and drank wine and ate food and had the best views of our entire lives. I just cannot recommend it highly enough. So if you go to Cinque Terre, which you should, also there were so many Australians there. It was actually wild. Like I've never seen so many Australians overseas anywhere, including in Bali. Anyway, if you go to Cinque Terre, which you should, I do recommend staying in Rio Maggiore and then you must do the pesto class in Manorola and I will die on that hill. Now, the last overseas place that I want to tell you about is Ireland because we went to Ireland last year as well. We did Italy and Ireland all in one trip and I love it there. I actually cannot wait to go back. So my family's Irish, my father's whole side of the family. Many of them still live there. It was incredibly special to me for that reason, which you might have heard back in the Sunshine Snack Pack episode. I went into that a little bit more, but you're not going there to see my family, so I'll tell you the other bits. We flew into Cork, which is a lovely little city on the East Coast, and that was really sweet. We stayed with my cousin. Again, you're not going to do that. You don't care about that, but we went and saw Cove, which was lovely, very sweet town, spelt C-O-B-H, which Patrick and I didn't realize that Cove and the word that we kept seeing on signs was the same word for at least a day. Um, But yeah, Cove was lovely to fly into. And then we drove down to the Ring of Kerry, which is where most of my family live. The Ring of Kerry is the countryside that you're imagining when you think of Ireland. It is beautiful. It's wild. It's rugged. It's remote, but still very connected. My cousin that lives in Cork kept talking about how like, oh, you're not going to have any phone reception when you're in Kerry. You won't have any internet in Kerry. You can't do these things in Kerry. Actually, we could do pretty much everything in Kerry because I imagine things have come a long way since the last time that that cousin was there. But we specifically stayed in Sneem or just outside of Sneem, which is the most beautiful fairy tale village. I just cannot recommend it highly enough, but the nature down there is beautiful. The beaches are beautiful. The 
people are lovely. Their houses are all different colors. It's so cute. I just love Kerry. And then we went to Dublin. Now, look, unpopular opinion with almost everyone I've said this to, Dublin was my least favorite place in Ireland, mostly because it's just so big. It just, for me, it gives big city. There are lovely places. I love going to Greystones, which is where my grandpa and also Hosier, my favorite musician, grew up in the same town. Mad. So yeah, I liked Greystones and I loved going and visiting some of the forests around Dublin. Ireland's very small. It was very easy to drive around and I do recommend getting a car if you're going to Ireland. Super easy, super cruisy, very, very fun and interesting to navigate and to road trip through. Um, the the mountains near Dublin, lovely. Dublin itself, yeah, sure. But Galway is the last place we went to. Loved Galway. Galway is exactly what I was imagining when I imagined an Irish city. It is a very small city. It's a very interesting city. It is the arts capital of Ireland. So there's so much amazing live music and art and interesting people. We happened to go on the weekend before university was starting back because it is a university town. So the place was just buzzing and seeing a live cover of Zombie by the Cranberries in an Irish bar in Galway is one of my favorite experiences of my entire life. So please do not miss that if you go to Galway or if you go to Ireland in general. It is just beautiful. I was going to talk you through Australia as well, some Australian travels, but I've just decided spur of the moment that that is a whole other episode in itself. So we're going to have that episode on a day that is not today, because today, my love, I'm going to leave this here and I will see you in two days time for our Sunshine Toolkit travel episode. I cannot wait. If you're not in the Facebook group, please come and join it because I want to talk about your favourite travel experiences, the best places you've been, the places that you want to go. I want to share ideas and experiences and all of it together. Okay. I love you. Good human. I will speak to you soon. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.